Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Conference USA Hoop fans? This is episode number two of the Conference USA Hoops cast. I'm Alex Nicholas. I am live in El Paso, Texas, along with my man from Birmingham, Blockingham, Alabama, Dave West. Dave, what's going on, my man? What's up, my man? I'm excited to uh, report that the pursuit of hashtag makes the USA great again has made strides forward last week. It did. It did. Um, you know, I, I think, I, I think it, it, we were kind of, we kind of felt that it could have based going off of our conversation last week that, but it wasn't that full circle grab every possible sexy win that we could. And we'll definitely get into that, but I agree. There definitely was some, some strides. We're going to talk about that and let's jump right into it. Let's get into our what's trending bar here on this USA hoops cast. And I think first and foremost, the team that kind of, embodies that uh, is Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte with a very impressive win over uh, Oregon State. You know, Oregon State, you know, we'll definitely see how that win ends up playing out. But no, you know, matter the fact that, fact that matters that it's a win, uh, you know, right now they have one of the better players. And we're going to get into this kind of early discussion on who the Conference USA player could be. And, yeah, obviously it's very early, but there has been some guys one of those guys is John Davis. I mean, this kid's really, really just doing the thing. A sophomore, a guy that burst onto the scene last year. Is this Charlotte team after we, we kind of discussed it, we kind of tossed it around, it's kind of too early to see if teams are for real. But what did that win against Oregon State at home, taking care of business in a close game, what did that show you in terms of where the 49ers are at here through the first eight games? It shows me that they're a really good team from home. Um, I'd like to see them go on the road and repeat a performance like that. Um, what's really interesting about that win over Oregon State, I mean, we, I mean, we've talked about Charlotte before, how they're a really good three-point shooting team. Their perimeter shooting team that kind of focuses you know, on guard play, they only hit six three-pointers. And it, and it all points to what John Davis did. And, and I, I, I'm just kind of like shocked looking at the stat lines. He, he got to the line. Thir- um, he, he had 13 attempts to the line, was 12 for 13, and he didn't even make a three. And he still had 22 points. And he also dished out seven assists. I mean, that's it was kind of a gritty and grind game, and I didn't really realize Charlotte was capable of that. And that's a big step for them. That's a huge step for them because I've always heard Tim Floyd and other coaches talk about that. It's great when guys are able to go out there and light it up from the field. But when you're scoring from the free throw line, that just makes a tremendous difference, you know, especially a team like that, that when I don't know whether they were struggling or just not being able to take it, but that certainly takes, uh, you know, pressure off guys. And, and you're looking at another guy that's really kind of stepped up in that game, Andrew White, 19 points, four of 10 from three point line. So obviously you're trying to get what you're getting, uh, not bad for a volume shooter, but when you're getting those type of performances, I guess that could kind of offset just hitting six three-pointers from what we're expecting from Marshall or a team like Charlotte to knock down six to 12 three-pointers because of the volume of shots that they take from behind. Yeah, yeah. He, White was great. I mean, White was one of the guys I had paired with John Davis as, like, two of the best duos. Excuse me, that's wrong. I said White and Oboise would be – excuse me, uh, Davis <laughs> – I messed that all up. Davis and Oboise would be my two um, guards from Charlotte that I thought would be great uh, in that, that guard duo article I had. But, yeah, White is – someone I read on a forum somewhere, they thought that 
that Jackson, that star freshman of theirs, would take a lot of his minutes. But that's obviously not the case. White's been great. He's hit a ton of threes. And that's what it's going to take for Charlotte to be successful. They're going to have to have three or four of their guards come in there and, 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 uh, and hit threes consistently every night. And um, I just got to see it on the road first before I, you know, buy all in on Charlotte. But it was a fantastic win nonetheless against an Oregon State team, even if they don't play, even if they don't uh, end up being very good um, overall at the end of the season, they're going to be, you know, right there in the 100 to 150 range just because of their schedule play in the Pac-12, which loaded this year. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's going to be a great win at the end of the day. Another team in that same mold that is definitely certainly trending up despite the loss, and they may think are trending up uh, spot, even though they lost, but I was impressed by watching Rice go into Lubbock and, and really go toe-to-toe with Texas Tech for about, I would say, about 30 minutes. I didn't watch the full first half, but it, their inability to keep the ball out of the paint on the defensive end is what's going to kill them. Every time Rice would knock down the three, every time Marcus Evans would get into the paint for a bucket, Texas Tech would just come right down, throw it into what you described last week as legitimate Big 12 big men, and we're able to just punish rights in the paint. And I wish I could pull up really quickly how many points they allowed in the paint because I can guarantee you it was definitely more than 20 from a little segment that uh, pretty much the whole second half that I watched. But this team with Marcus Evans, with Igor Kulichov, and a Marcus Jackson who's starting to kind of get his way, get his groove back in a sense, this team is scary as hell, right, Dave? Uh, yeah, they're 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 good. Uh, they they're kind of running that same style of offense that Marshall runs. They're, they're they they want to keep the tempo going. They want to get a lot of shot ups, a lot of attempts. And but the thing about them, if you want to compare them to Marshall, is they've just got better players. And that's no knock on Marshall. Marshall's got a couple good guys, but Kulichov and Evans, if they were on opposite te- or you know different teams, we're talking about two different guys that could be in, you know, CUSA player of the year, you know, the early talk, which we'll talk about more in a minute. I mean, Kulichov is just so efficient. Uh, he's five from seven for, for three at Texas Tech. And just the other day, he was six for six from three at Incarnate Word. And then Evans just went nuts. He was six for 11 at Texas Tech. And and like you said, they're, they're going to give it up. They're going to give it up to all the teams with, with a, you know, a good, you know, good interior. I mean, it's going to happen in CUSA play too. But they're just going to try to outscore teams, and they can do it. Who says they can't? You know, I mean, they're kind of proving that. They put up 84 on the road on against a pretty good middle-of-the-pack Big 12 team, which is going to be better than most the USA teams. So I'm just really, really impressed. Um, It it, it is rarely you see two different players that good from behind the arc in the same game. They had 11 three-pointers together, Kulichov and Evans did, and that's just, you know, that's incredible. You mentioned Kulichov hitting five, uh, Marcus Evans with three points. But the biggest thing with me, and I texted you during this game, because of what I saw Marcus Evans doing is Marcus Evans' driving ability. He just opens up so much for that offense. And that is an NBA aspect that I look at this guy and, and, and see kind of the way that Mike Rose is, is running that offense. It's an NBA set. I remember telling you the way that they're moving the ball is pretty much four out. You know, you, you're going with a four out. You got one guy in. It's either Letcher Ellis or, Kat, or uh, the other guy, Douglas, that's going to be in there. They're basically playing with a four-guard lineup most of the time. And, and that is what's impressive to me is because they're able to spread the floor. And you have a driver like Marcus Jackson or a driver like Marcus Evans, and then you have shooters like Marcus Jackson, Kolachev. And not even, a guy that I wanted to mention, uh, a guy that I thought was a big key in that second half, Letcher Ellis, came off the bench with 11 points. But 
they they right now it seems like they only have a seven man rotation against the Middle Tennessees of the world and UABs. Do you think that could be a problem for Rice in terms of matching up for a full 40 minutes? Because it really did kind of plague them. Even though they lost by one point against Texas Tech, Texas Tech had that game with about a six, seven point lead, I felt, because of Bryce's lack of depth. Do you kind of agree with that? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, it'll be a problem, like, right now against teams like Texas Tech, who in, in their game, they, they play 10, 10 guys. 10 guys that, uh, you know, that are all solid players. I mean, obviously they're at Texas Tech. But like you said, at, at Rice, they really only played seven guys. And, and um, But the thing about it is, in, in, in conference US play, USA play, you can get away with that because there's just not very many deep teams, you know, in conference USA. So, I mean, aside from maybe, you know, middle and UAB and a couple others, but that's it. So, I mean, I think they're going to be fine. Um, I mean, as long as they continue to, to stay hot. What, what, what blows my mind about Rice is they've hit more threes than anyone in the conference as a team, and they're also shooting it at a better percentage than anyone in the conference. That, that, that's just a deadly combo. And that's definitely going to continue. Marcus Evans, Conference USA Player of the Week, averaged 29 points, six assists, and three and a half rebounds in two games as Rice went one and one last week. And our third and final trending team that's trending up. I mean, the best team in the league right now. What more? What more can you say? I mean, they just been they just took care of business, kind of what you expected from Kermit Davis's crew, grabbing some big wins last week. Obviously, the game that we were following last week when they uh, when they kind of just torched Southern uh, Ole Miss. Uh, Finished the week strong with Alabama, 12-point win on the road. Uh, but what are you seeing out of Middle Tennessee? I mean, this team is just continuing, continuing to get better, and they're just continuing to gel, and Kermit is doing a tremendous job there. I, 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 I use this word loosely, but I really I say it all the time. But that was one of the most amazing halves of basketball that I've seen in a very, very long time. They went up 48-19 to 19 on the road at Ole Miss in Ole Miss's brand-new, shiny – $20 million arena, whatever it is. It was incredible. And what's so crazy about it is they really only have one true point guard, quote-unquote point guard, mm-hmm. on the team, Tyreek Dixon, and he played less than 10 minutes. They, they, ha- they, they, they don't really have, like, they don't have to have a point guard. I mean, Upshaw and Giddy and Ed Simpson, I mean, they all can take the ball up. They're all capable ball handlers. It's just, I mean, who do you defend? Who do you stop? And then you have Ja'Cory Williams in the paint, you know, scoring almost 20 a game. I mean, I mean, it was basically over at half. I mean, you're not going to overcome a deficit like that in a game like this early in the season. That, that, that was incredible. Totally agree. You made a damn good point because Middle Tennessee has kind of been doing that the past couple of years without a, without a point guard. And I don't know if that is – something that, that's a Kermit Davis M.O., uh, you know, but it's definitely something to look at. They got Vanderbilt this week, and obviously we're going to look ahead uh, coming up later in the show. But, I mean, that is another opportunity for this Middle Tennessee State team to not only prove they're the best team in Conference USA, but to kind of get some respect among mid-majors because looking at some of these blogs and whatnot, they put their top 25 together. Conference USA gets no love, no glove, no love. From Conference USA, but Middle Tennessee it, it has an opportunity to really, really, really change that with a win this weekend. What do you feel? Oh yeah, and I, th- and, and I think Vegas is going to have them as a favorite. I think they're going to be a four or five point favorite. Vandy's not a bad team. Um, they have a lot of turnover, and they um, they have Bryce Drew. It's his first year there since coming from Valpo. 
Um, I think they're going to win that game, and if they win that game and then also beat uh, uh, VCU this month, I mean, we're talking, and assuming they take care of all the other games they play, we're talking a borderline top 25 team, if not a top 25 team, when UAB comes to Murfreesboro on January 1st. Those are the three teams that really kind of helped their stock out here early in the year. UAB, or excuse me, oh, we'll get to UAB. We'll get to my team as well. But Middle Tennessee, Rice, and Charlotte continue their upward tick from where we discussed last weekend. I mean, these teams really right now are definitely on the upward tier. Lots of lots to be kind of hashed out, obviously, as conference, uh, or out of conference play really kind of getting going here in December. But those are the teams that just continually right now showing that consistency. We obviously uh, put out our Conference USA ballot for our Conference USA power rank. It's really interesting to see how people kind of put those three teams, as I really felt those three teams continue just to play consistent at this point of year. That's all kind of what you want to see. Now getting to, uh, I guess you could say, the, the respectfully, the butt of our <laughs> what's trending for the teams that are going down. <laughs> And let's start off before we get into our squads. Obviously, UAB and, and UTEP will be there. And I, 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 want to, I have a feeling UAB, I don't think that they're as down as, as, as what I'm describing this. But Western Kentucky is on this list this week. And I think me and Dave, the reason why they're on there, the main reason and really the only reason, because I really love the three studs that they have in Pancake Thomas, uh, you know, like trying to pull up those three guys and we'll get to there. But their lack of depth, Dave, that is something that's really, really being exposed the game that I watched, uh, pretty much the entire game against Eastern Kentucky last week, was really, really a factor. And when Q Johnson, Justin Johnson, and Pancake Thomas aren't hitting, Western Kentucky is in trouble. Yeah, they are. And, and they like you're talking about the Missouri game. They 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 played pretty darn well against a, a Missouri team that may actually be dead last in the SEC before it's over with this year. But their game at Eastern Kentucky, they, they just got blown out of the water. And EKU is, is an okay team, but they're, they're, they're not anywhere in, in, in the ballpark of needing to be blowing out a team with, a, with, 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 with WKU's experience. And I say experience, I mean, they have guys who are, you know, 50-year dudes. Um, but it's their depth, and it's just killing them. And, and, they are, they're play, and they've got guys playing so many minutes. Pancake's playing 36, Q's playing 33, and then uh, the other two, Johnson and Lamomba, are both playing over 30. I mean, and then it just drops from there dramatically. The other starter, Ben Lawson, the shot blocker, kind of, you know, that skin, skinny British guy, yeah. he's, play, he's playing the next most at 20 minutes. They are just leaning so heavily on the, the on those four to kind of carry them. And – and it's just, it's just not I – I'm just not told them it's going to work. I mean, I think they're going to be okay in Conference USA play, but I'm a little bit shocked at how, how much they struggled early. But, you know, they, they've got a couple more opportunities in the non-conference to, you know, maybe grab a nice win here or there. But so far, it's not, not looking too good. I'm going to throw you a curveball because we didn't talk about this discussion uh, – we didn't talk about this topic uh, in the pre-show when we were preparing. Um, but really, what I – one, something that I saw, and I don't know how much, if you saw this, how much of a grain of salt you're taking this, but I think it was 24-7 sports that put out a report that Rick Stansberry was, is basically waiting for that LSU job to open up. I know Johnny Jones is having some issues there the past couple of years with making LSU competitive. How much stock do you buy in that? I mean, Stansberry is obviously a pretty sexy name. He's already made some recruiting waves at Western Kentucky. Is that something you can kind of – that, that stuff doesn't come out in December in college basketball. Do 
you buy any stock in that, or is that just a clickbait kind of thing right there? Yeah, it was an interesting story, but it was total clickbait. Uh, he, he's 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 got like I don't think he's got family and friends from the area, but I think he's originally from that particular. I think he's from Bowling Green, exactly. I I, I kind of like his fit there. He's kind of an old country boy when you hear his press conferences, and and I think I would be in my opinion I'd be shocked if he was there for less than three years. And the recruiting class, he's got guys signed. They aren't just commits any longer. He's right. got three solid recruits, you know, you know, they're going to play for Western Kentucky next fall. So I think it was clickbait, but, but, you know, I do think Johnny Jones is gone. I don't know where he's going to end up, but heck, he may end up back at North Texas. <laughs> if Benford, he doesn't do what he does. So we'll see. Yeah, that's, and we talked about how, how we both feel about Tony Benford. So we'll leave it at that. Moving on to our other teams that are trending down. And like I mentioned, I don't think UAB is trending down. I think they're just trying to find themselves. I mentioned this last week, and I'm going to keep harping on it, and I'm sorry, UAB fans. I know this is a touchy subject, but the loss of Nick Norton, I, I just, I, I'm just been a fan of Nick Norton the past couple of years because I like basketball players that don't do things that don't show up in the stat sheet. And the way I watch the game, whether it's football or it's basketball, I look for those players, and Nick Norton is one of those guys. I mean – I didn't see any reaction. I saw a little bit of reaction from UAB's loss against uh, against Auburn. Watched the whole second half. I really felt that that freshman, once he hit that three ball in transition when you guys were down four, that really kind of changed the game. And I felt maybe if a Nick Norton is there, you can kind of call a timeout and grab things together and kind of pull things back. But I still think this UAB team has pieces to compete. What's kind of going on with the Blazers here in this non-conference? And you touched a lot on it last week. Is it kind of the same thing where they're just trying to find themselves and find lineups to be successful? Yeah, and the thing about it is UAB has played, you know, pretty well with the guys they put on the court right now with, with Lavender running the point. They've all played okay, but, they're, but they're, 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 they have the ability to be so much better. Um, so I'm not that concerned once they, everyone starts hitting some shots. That's really what we need to see here. Dirk Williams has been on a slump for three or four games now. And, um, and Chris Koch, he's pretty much been himself so far in the early part of the season, but he, he could even be better. But really what they need is to play a couple teams, two, three teams in a row that just aren't any good. And you see some success. I mean, it's just and if you look at, look, look at UAB's record, look at the schedule in front of you, it's win-loss, 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 win-loss. And that's the story of the year. I mean, we're, we're, we're playing a lot of tough teams with not really knowing exactly what everyone's role is going to be this year. But once things start clicking, I mean, watch out. I mean, we have ability. I mean, heck, we were, we were, we were beating Auburn at halftime, and Dirk, Coakley, and uh, William Lee all had uh, – excuse me, Dirk, uh, Haha, and Coakley all had 2,000 apiece. And they didn't play a ton of minutes, and I'm, that that impresses me. I mean, beating that SEC team, I know it was on our court, but the second half just got away from them. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's the three pointers. I mean, they, they always we always seem to give away just the just the easiest dagger threes at the most inopportune times. The the stat that scares the hell out of me is we've we've let five teams hit more than ten threes against us. Oh, That's incredible. Like you too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're playing good teams. I mean, it's, right. people don't want to hear me out. We're, the five teams that have done that are all pretty darn good 
teams and good, and, and good perimeter shooting teams. Right. And, and, and that's why I know, say UAB isn't trending down because of that. I agree with you, man. We have opportunities this week. I mean, in my honest opinion, a win at Stephen F. Austin, beating, beating them and, and breaking their 31-point game win streak at home, and then going on the road and beating Memphis for the first time since, like, the 90s or something. I don't even know if we've actually ever even beaten them in Memphis. I have to double-check, but we haven't beaten them since 04 at anywhere. Winning those two games, I'm happy. You give me those two wins, I don't care what happened. We could be, you know, 0-8 right now, and I'd be super psyched with those two wins. Oh, I agree. Those are definitely two big get-right games for the Blazers. And, in those, I mean, you're going on the road, too. I mean, that's where you can really kind of find yourself with that team. I, and I agree. I like the way that William Lee's been able to continue to play kind of that through that foul trouble. You know, the college, college basketball is getting so soft. Guys like Kofi, guys like William Lee, even going back to last year, a guy like William Brown out on the perimeter, or, or excuse me, Robert Brown on the perimeter, those type of aggressive defensive guys, they're the ones that are always going to get the bad side of the whistle, I feel. But definitely a big week for UAB to get right. And we're talking about them in that training down once again, just because that they've dropped some good good losses, I can kind of say. But it's not anything like what we're witnessing here in El Paso uh, as we move along to the third and final trending down team. I mean, guys, I, 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 I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and rag on the minors too much because I have an hour uh, podcast tomorrow to do that. <laughs> but, I mean, when you've got coaches fighting, ex-football coaches fighting fans in a disconnect, and you just don't have the talent out there right now. I mean, UTEP right now is legitimately, in my opinion, and I haven't watched all 351 college basketball teams, but they have to be one of the worst. Um, there's no doubt about it. You don't have depth. Um, you know, you have two really good guards, but one guard was suspended. And, um, you know, Dominic Artis had a tremendous game, but he had seven turnovers last week. Again, kind of not flirting with a triple-double, but had, had 19 or had 16, 7, and 7, but had seven turnovers. And that's really UTEP's biggest issue right now is turning it over. You don't expect that from a guy like Dominic but that's kind of what happened, and not even to, not only to mention the on-court stuff, but all the off-court stuff. You said losing another guard. I know a guy that you were really high on, Adrian Moore. He was just kind of buried in the minutes ever since he kind of stepped on campus. So UTEP right now, uh, honestly, I, I, I'm, I, before this podcast, before anything, I really, or before the season, I felt UTEP was not a top-tier team, but I figured they would fiddle between the sixth and the ninth spot out of the 13 teams. Right now, they're definitely dead last at 13. Like I said, I'll pile on the minors tomorrow if you want more UTEP talk, uh, but there's really nothing else more to say negatively than I saw Mike Price. <laughs> I saw Mike <laughs> Price get after it after a UTEP fan. Shout out to Lutep Minor, man. That's a good dude, good group of fans there. Just, you know, it is what it is, man. There's a lot of frustration here. And it's sad because, I mean, in this new Conference USA a couple years ago, looking on the basketball side, throwing out football for a minute, you know, UTEP was supposed to take that step as possibly, I'm not going to compare it to Memphis, but to what Memphis does. And then following line was going to be UAB and so on. But it just hasn't worked out like that from the minors. And from an outside perspective, I mean, what, what would you do if you're a fan in this situation? I mean, if you're a blogger, put yourself in my shoes. How are you seeing this perspective of what's going on here at UTEP? Because like I mentioned, two, three years ago, four years ago, when this new Conference USA was formed, all eyes were on UTEP to kind of take that mold of what UAB is doing, in my opinion. I'll tell you what I would do if 
if I'm a minor uh, basketball fan, I would like be totally all in on trying to get Dominic Artis to average a triple double like Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I would just, <laughs> yeah, I would just right? start rooting for just silly things, man. But no, in all seriousness, go to the games, support your team, try to be constructive as possible. But at the end of the day, use your voice. That is your right. Um, that's what I would do. I don't know if I'd hold a sign up, but I don't fault people for doing so. The only way, if, if from an outsider's perspective, it seems the only way a change will be made if, if people just get mad enough. And I, I don't, I, you know, the administration better than I do. Uh, I mean, I mean, what what is it going to take to to make a change at, at the head coaching position? I know, you, I know you're going to talk about it tomorrow, but just briefly yeah, speaking, what do you think it would take? Honestly, honestly, true, it, it's going to take a scandal, bro. Like, I don't wish that on it. Like, obviously, you know, I don't wish that to happen on our program. But is, there's got to be some sort of or three or more guys leave at the end of the year. I heard a little Twitter talk today. I'm not going to say exactly what I heard, but just basically that in a sense, you know what I mean? So I think it's going to have to take something – Drastic because I mean it's a buddy system. You look at, at what happened Saturday night. Mike Price was sitting next to Bob Stoll, and Bob Stoll and Mike Price and Tim Floyd all were at the Country Club after that. The El Paso Country Club having drinks. So that right there tells you that something drastic really, really has to happen for this program to to, to really make a change. I don't see it happen. I'm not wishing for that. But to answer your question, my man, that's what's gonna have to be. So just sad times. <laughs> What I grew up as knowing a very, very proud program, and it's hurting the conference in the long run, honestly. Uh, but moving on here, because I'm about to reach for all that liquor that I sent you in the, in the picture that I got in my refrigerator. Our <laughs> <laughs> honorable mention here in our training of Louisiana Tech, uh, you know, a team that's won three out of the last four, went to Cal, hung tough, uh, you know, pretty much kind of, kind of ran out of gas in a sense, and then they come back. Mop southeastern Louisiana by 30 points at home. We talked about them last week that there's no shy of talent there. Do you feel with this next stretch as they're playing Alco State today? I'll get I'll get a uh, I'll get a score update once you're done. They got a lot of winnable games before to play. I can really see them roll off one, two, three, four, five, and six games before Southern Miss and Conference play. Man, I'll tell you what, I love the Bulldogs right now. Um, not a lot of people are talking about them for, you know, because few people even saw the Cal game. I mean, heck, I could even get it to stream online, and I'd cry for like an hour. So not a lot of people are seeing them on this part of the country over here, uh, well, I guess in the USA country. So, But they're good. They're good. They, they, they are complete. They have the pieces you need. They, they have a solid interior with Omar Sherman and Eric McCree. I mean, between those two, that's 26 points per game. And the point guard position is kind of taking a different turn than I w- expected. I, Derek Jean is, is, is running it some, but now it's freshman Daquan Bracey. I mean, he, he's come in, and he's, I think he's going to take the reins. I mean, he got, he got a start against Southeast Louisiana, and he's good, man. He's got 7.9 uh, points per game and 4.6 assists. If he continues doing what he does and becomes the full-time starter for La Tech, there, there's just not going to be anybody else that's going to get um, USA Freshman of the Year. It's going to be his, and he's going to win it. And, that, and that's what La Tech does, man. They, they are point guard you. They just bring them. They, they'll, they develop shooting guards and the pointing guards. They'll do it any way they have to. But, um, I mean, I'm sold on La Tech. They got, they got, they're eight deep. 
of really good basketball players, and, and, and that's good enough to win Conference USA with AD. And I can back up what you're saying about those – You know, I can back up what you were saying with some live stats. Louisiana Tech with a huge 47-22 lead over Alcorn State, and albeit Alcorn State probably one of the worst basketball programs in our country, our wonderful country over the past three or four years. But between Jacoby Boykins and Derek Jean, they both have 26 points. Boykins 4-4 four, four from distance. And Bracey, five assists. Doesn't have to score on this team, like you mentioned, because of the guard play. But that is something that I could definitely back you up with. And you got Omar Sherman, six points and five boards. And then Eric McCree, nine points and five boards at halftime. That's what you want to see against the Alcorn team. And I agree, this Louisiana Tech team is going to be a problem. They've been a problem over the past couple years because of their stellar guard play. And when you're getting three guys that can play at this high level, when you have Bracey, who can be that kind of tempo setter, that distributor, and then you have your scorers with Boykins, Gene, and then Sherman and McCree. McCree, I, one of my favorite players in this conference, I would probably put him at number one with his versatility, with his ability to play kind of that James Harden-like type of role. Really love what the Bulldogs are doing. And our honorable mentor for team with, with, with training down, we don't really got to go into much. We kind of said it. Uh, we can kind of say it at the same time as well about FIU. One, two, three, they suck. <laughs> Respect them. <laughs> you know, the FIU fans. But they're struggling. They're in the same mold of where UTEP is at. Maybe not structurally in terms of, of where they're at uh, with their program, but, I mean, this FIU team is going to struggle, and, and we've, we've already seen that here in the non-conference, right? Yeah, dude. The, I, I'm kind of going to move them up from terrible to just bad because Dante McGill is going to do what he does. I mean, yeah, he's he, a baller. He's, he's a baller. Yeah, he he's leading Conference USA in field goals attempted per game. It's like I think it's some crazy number. Like he's he's he's, he's throwing up like 17 shots a game, and so I mean he, his 19.1 points per game because I mean heck if you if you shoot enough you're going to score. But what what I think kind of has brought them up a tad is uh, the play of Michael Kessens, who's who's the the their big forward that's a Bama transfer graduate transfer. He's the only USA player averaging a double double with 14 and 12, and that means I don't care who the competition is. That's, those are good numbers, and but that's, that's kind of where it stops. I mean, they, they've got two guys that are pretty darn good basketball players, but they just, they're just they just a mess everywhere else. They just have a bunch of mediocre, lower-tier basketball players that, yeah, even they don't even belong in the CUSA, and that sounds terrible, but, but yeah, FIU is – they're going to continue to trend down. I don't even think they're going to have a winning record this year, which, which is rare for them. And they usually, you know, at least are at 500, or a little bit above. But it's going to be a tough season for the Panthers. No doubt about it. And moving on to some of our top topic segment that we wanted to kind of get into, we put out an APB last week on one Taylor, one more consistent players that is going to we can call after his career just has one of the more consistent four-year careers in Conference USA, come to find out he was suspended uh, after their 71-61 victory over Jackson State uh, last week due to a suspension after an ejection. Now, that was not coming from Conference USA. That was Mike D'Antoni's. Now, he came back and, 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 you know, posted up a really good game in their their last win. Uh, You know, I did see that stat line that he put up. But this guy is the key for Marshall. I mean, we saw that difference I don't know if, if Ryan Marshall plays against Ohio State. They close that gap. Well, they lost by like 40 points. But this guy is a difference maker. And, and, and with Marshall, I guess you could say their lack of defense and their lack of depth, missing a guy like Ryan Taylor is going to put them from a top four team 
and to a team that's scrambling to get a decent seed for day two of the Conference USA tournament. Yeah, and I I have to apologize to Ohio State. I'm seeing uh, Marshall fans because I I didn't need, I don't know how I missed this, but when I think last week in our podcast, I I, I uh, bashed them a little bit for that 41 point loss. I, I totally missed that Ryan Taylor did play that game, and yeah, so 41 points. I mean, he's he's probably he's good enough that I mean, you could probably shave 20 points off that just by his his his, his ability to kind of clog the paint and just be in the way at least to keep you know, Ohio State from getting all the easy baskets they were getting. But like you said, he's he's their X factor. We, we know what we're going to get out of Elmore and Browning every week. I mean, they're, they're going to shoot the lights out. They're phenomenal um, uh, perimeter players. and um, you But you got to have Ryan Taylor to kind of ba- balance that out. He's really versatile. He, he can hit the three, even though he hasn't. I mean, He's actually, I don't think he's hit one this year. Uh, he was 0 for 6 against Ohio, not Ohio State. But he still has 17 points and 19 points in the last two games. If, if he's playing at that level, which they need him to be at, then Marshall's still a top four team. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that he's playing well and he's not suspended any longer. But, um, that, yeah, but it, so yeah, it makes sense that, that, that Ohio State did what they did to them. I just did not realize it at the time that he didn't play yeah, he's came back pretty well, 37 minutes a mile, 17 and 11. Uh, but he did, he has gone 0 of 9. 0 for his, basically, he's, I mean, he's 0 for this whole season. What am I talking about? But he did drop 19 and, 19 and 9, or 19 and 6 against Eastern Kentucky in their latest loss. And he's definitely a guy that you want to watch out for. And he's a guy, transitioning to our next topic about some early player of the year talk. He's a guy that obviously, if he can kind of get it going, he's going to be a candidate. But my guy right now, and you kind of brought him up when we're talking about FIU, Michael Kensis, I don't know if I'm saying his right, name right, currently leading Conference USA. He's got five double-doubles on the year. Uh, not a guy that's going to right now jump out at you when you're looking at some of the leaders in terms of scoring. Uh, obviously rebounding just a tick under 12 rebounds a game. That's kind of my candidate right now. And I obviously, you know, we vouched for Marcus Evans earlier. Who, am I, who, who are we kind of sleeping on? that's kind of had a good start here through everybody's played about eight games here so far. Yeah. To speak on Kessins real quick. And we, like you said, we already talked about him for a little while. He's not going to win player of the year, no matter what he stats he puts up because he's a graduate transfer. And my part conference of USA's, <laughs> well, yeah, he might, yeah. but it's, it's, it's two part. I mean, one, cause FIU is terrible and two, well, no, they're not terrible anymore. They're bad. Right. But no, two, he's a graduate transfer and, and CUSA has made the award for newcomer of the year for that reason. They don't want guys that are just kind of coming in from power school, you know, sweeping in. They, they, yeah, the player of the year award pretty consistently been guys who have had really solid careers from start to finish and also had good senior years. So, but as far as, as who, who to look at here in the way too early, you know, view of player of the year, we've talked about a couple. You got Eric McCree, who's at the top, in my opinion, for his ability to be an inside threat and a very consistent three-point shooter. You have Marcus Evans, for the reasons we spoke of. You have John Davis at Charlotte. And you've got John Elmore at Marshall, because he might actually average somewhere between 23 and 25 points per game. He's just going to keep shooting. And then you got Ja'Cory Williams, who's kind of the sleeper, I guess you could say, but he, but he, but he kind of – falls in that same category as Kessens. He's an Arkansas transfer. He, he will have only played 
one year at, at middle, and this is a senior year. So, I mean, what are what are your opinions of those five who I think you know are the front runners? Who who, who do you have? You know, I think Ja'Cory Williams is – and you made a great point earlier about these newcomers, but Ja'Cory Williams is, seems like he is that most valuable player that Middle Tennessee has been missing the past couple of years. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get the whole transfer one-year thing, but Ja'Cory Williams, looking at that guy and what Middle Tennessee has been able to do and what Reggie Upshaw and Giddy and those guys haven't had to do in terms of carrying the load – that guy's an MVP to me. I mean, he he, looks, he plays that part. I need to watch a full 40 minutes of him to really kind of gauge his game. Just looking at, at the stats and looking at scores and looking at what he's able to do. I think Jacoby Williams right now, besides Kendrick, I'm just going to get Kendrick's homer the whole year. <laughs> you know, I think he has an opportunity to really, really kind of just solidify that team and make it have a I think obviously we're going to find out of what they have. But another guy that I kind of I go off the grid here, and just because this is a team that's not really going to come up and, and, and do much, it may be the team that they're not supposed to. But looking at a guy like Jeff Beverly from UTSA, not going to get the plug, but he's averaging 15 and 8 points. This is a former football guy, averaging 6.4 rebounds. Not saying that he's a top, so we can kind of much throw out, throw out anybody in there. But that's a guy I'm kind of keeping my eye on. As a sleeper, as a, as, a, as a late maybe first round or a first team All Conference USA type of player, but I agree with Eric McCree. I mean, Marcus Evans right now is probably kind of the favorite, I guess you can say. Obviously, getting attention from Conference USA with the Player of the Week—that's a good way to gauge that. But I mean, any of these guys that we mentioned, you can really kind of you can't go wrong. And then another guy that we didn't mention is Kolechov. I mean, if he gets hot, continues to get hot, and Rice knocks off teams, they're quote unquote not supposed to maybe going off of their past history, I think you look at those guys at Evans and Colorado that are going to make it really tough for whoever votes. I'm pretty sure it's the media. But, the, I mean, it's really, really kind of wide open right now. But you got some very, very talented players to look at. Yeah, I, I, I like that Beverly pick at UTSA. Um, he's, a, he's a junior. Uh, he's a juke. I believe he's a junior. Yeah, and he's a, he's a yeah, juco he's a transfer. And he, yeah, he, I don't think he's going to put up crazy stats. I guess he could because they're going to need him to. But it's it, for, for me, I still, if we're talking strictly of, like, not performances worthy of winning it, but, you know, likelihood of winning it, I think him being a first-year guy is going to kind of hurt him. And yeah, something else I, I, didn't mention, yeah, that I didn't mention earlier, uh, didn't talk about earlier, was Evans and John Davis, um, Evans at Rice and John Davis at uh, Charlotte, they're both sophomores. And mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken – a sophomore hasn't won it since – I think it was Joe Jackson won it with Memphis. But that's – it takes a lot. Oh, you had to bring up Joe do. Jackson, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, 2011 that, that they uh, won on y'all's court? I was living in Austin, and the lady comes down from upstairs. Are you okay? I'm like, fuck Joe Jackson. <laughs> that's fantastic, man. Well, hey, hey, it's not like our week went well. We lost the first day at, like, noon, and we were the one seed. That was – that was a bad couple of days in El Paso for a lot of us, but yeah, I think it was Joe Jackson who won it. Um, um, but it just you, it takes a monumental effort to win Player of the Year as an underclassman, which makes me think that it's Eric McCree's to lose, really, realistically, because he's going to put up numbers. So that, that's that's my perspective on it. Definitely, definitely something to keep an eye on. And every week we're going to take a look at it. guys that turn heads, and so far there's been a couple. 
So what we got going on this week? I mean, obviously, the, the, the two games that jump out of my mind, I may be a UAB homer, but obviously UAB has a, probably the quote-unquote toughest and most important uh, slate, not only for their well-being as a team, but for obviously Conference USA perception as them being one of the top dogs. And, and obviously right now there's a lot of people, maybe even some in, in your guys' fan base, that's believing that. I mean, what else besides the week we touched on, on, on UAB, but what else are you – what's on the menu this week that you think can really kind of grab some momentum for some of these teams that are searching for that hero in the year? I love, love, love this week's slate. And I liked last week's slate a lot, but I think this week is even better. Um, I'm going to go ahead and throw out what I think is going to be the upset of the week and maybe the upset Uh-oh. of the season Uh-oh. for CUSA. I think Old Dominion is going to go into Rhode Island. I think they're going to win. And Rhode Island was a top 25 team just last week, and, and they're great. But I, I think it's going to happen. I think ODU is going to go on the road on Tuesday and beat Rhode Island. And, and that, may, that may not be um, a really big win to, you know, the casual observer in basketball, uh, but, uh, basketball, but it, that's a huge win. That's a top 25 team, which – which I still think they belong, even though they're not in it right now. So that's that's kind of my upset upset of the week. But like you said, UAB UAB can correct a lot of problems and you know win back a lot of uh, people who are upset right now. We're kind of disappointed at least if they can win at Stephen F. Austin Wednesday and win at Memphis on Saturday, which would just be monumental. But um, there's a couple other great ones out there too. I mean, uh, Vandy travels to Middle Tennessee on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Which we talked what about, we about earlier. And we, what do we know about Vanderbilt in that game? Um, there's seven footer who's my my brain. Is, I cannot think of his name right now, but he's he's probably the best seven footer in the entire country, or one of them. Um, Vandy's good. I mean, he, this guy hits threes. I mean, he extends the defense out to the perimeter, and he's a great inside player. But Vandy's not as good as they were last year. Uh, I believe they played in the first four last year, but middle middle can win this, should win this, and should be favored. And then um, Saturday's the fun day. Saturday UAB at Memphis at noon, and then you got VCU going down to Old Dominion, which is going to be a battle. Man, that's going to be awesome. And the sleeper here, the sleeper here is La Tech at ULL. Um, I had my eye on that one too, bro. Yeah, dude, they hate each other, man. The Raging Cajuns, like, they, they give La Tech trouble, whether it's at home, at the TAC, or, or, or at, you know, at, at La, in Lafayette. I mean, they will, they love playing Tech, man. They would love nothing more to kind of, you know, upset, you know, win at home for, for Lafayette. And then you got Stephen F. Austin going to Rice that night. So, I mean, that, that, that's a great day. Um, that's a great hit of CUSA basketball, and I'm hoping for two to three wins for CUSA that day. But um, to finish it off, to kind of bring it to a head on Sunday is another good one that, that won't, you know, tip the scales on the national radar is Western Kentucky goes to Indiana State. And Indiana State's solid, solid. I mean, they're they're a, a very good basketball team. And, and um, I would, I mean, in my eyes, Western wins that game and, they're, they're going to have a lot of momentum going to the rest of December. Also, too, another kind of a two-game swing that I'm looking at is Southern Miss. I mean, it, we talked about Southern Miss about, you know, they had a, they played basically no names. You know, kind of surprised people that are just standing to watch. But I think they're going to come down to reality at Florida State. And then you're, you're at home against Tulane. Kind of 
Tulane has kind of fallen off in a sense, but those are kind of measuring sticks to see kind of how bad, I guess you can say, Southern Miss is. But that's a really kind of an interesting stretch. And then, too, I, I, I agree with that Stephen F. Austin Rice game. I mean, that's a game that I really, really have on my schedule, uh, of, you know, looking forward. To. And another game that I'm surprised that you didn't mention, uh, Charlotte at Wake Forest. You know, I got a chance to watch Wake Forest. They're a very young, very athletic a uh, high-energy type team, not not what I'm used to from my listening from Danny Manning here at uh, you know at Tulsa when he was in, in Conference USA, but that could kind of be a game too for Charlotte, an in-state game. Uh, you know, haven't seen what Wake Forest has done since then. I know they had they kind of struggled after uh, they beat after they mopped UTEP, but that could be kind of another game tomorrow that could kind of turn some heads Charlotte's direction. What do, how do you feel about that? Yeah, yeah, it's I believe that one's Tuesday, and I, I didn't miss yeah. man because I kind of had a, I had a feeling that you were going to bring it up. Um, we talked about this uh, the other day. I don't know if it was on. I think it was on your podcast uh, a couple weeks ago when UTEP was about to play um, by the play Wake Forest that transfer that from Charlotte, which that's going to be a really kind of cool dynamic yeah, right, right there. Right. Yeah, yeah, he's going to get to play his team, and uh, but yeah, that, that's that's a huge game for Charlotte because. What you know, they, they've yet to win on uh, win a really you know against a good team on the road. They haven't had a whole ton of opportunities either. But they went to Davidson and got you know shellacked. But if they can go in there and I, I mean I'm happy with a single digit game. That's a win for me if Charlotte can keep it to yeah. that to that that kind of um, a deficit or any heck if they could win, man. I mean, who knows? I like Charlotte when you, when you got three point shooters and you got three or four guys in the team that can just you know, hit at any time, you can just rail off, you know, four, five, six threes. That's, I mean, that, 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 that's what wins you games on the road when they have the ability to do that. I mean, I, I love their guard play. And that, that, that's going to be a game I'm going to watch on Tuesday for sure. Yeah, and then you also Wake Forest can fill it up too. I think whoever can kind of set that tempo and to me can kind of execute when a team goes on a draw on, on, on a drought or, you know, a little sleeper of a stretch, I think that's going to be the team that you see either turn a five-point lead or a five-point deficit into a two-point lead or being able to stretch out a five-point lead because somebody goes on a scoring job. That's definitely something I'm going to keep an eye on. The Texas sister schools, UTSA, they're at Texas Tech on Wednesday. Kind of an interesting game. We've seen uh, Rice go up there and give Texas Tech some hell. UTSA is a team that's going to hang their hat on defense. They may, you know, Steve Henson still needs time to recruit some offensive firepower, but it's obvious that their identity of just going out there and trying to defend you for 40 minutes, that's the smartest way to go if you're a team like UTSA trying to build. And obviously a program as well. That's something I'm going to take a look at. Uh, UTEP in New Mexico, it's kind of a bad year to rekindle. What is always, I think that's a better rivalry than UTEP and New Mexico State. Um, you know, in my opinion, just because, I mean, you know, New Mexico State, it, 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 it's, it's a respectable school. I've always kind of, slided them a little bit because they play in the whack, even though they kick UTEP's ass, you know, and it's for us, it's more of a pride thing more than, oh, it looks sexy on the schedule. Um, but this is uh, just an opportunity for UTEP to kind of get right. I don't know if it's going to happen. Matt Williams is going to be out uh, back. He broke his nose. Tim Williams, a guy that, you know, is out for New Mexico, could make it a closer game, but I still think UTEP goes in there and struggles to put a point. The pit is always a, a tough place to play. So those two games, I think, on Wednesday are, are something just to kind of keep an eye on along with that UAB game. Uh, so definitely 20 games this week, an interesting slate, uh, a chance to kind of build some things up. I mean, Dave, what else you got on your plate, man? Anything that kind of jumped out on your mind, not only last week, but going into this week as well? Well, we covered it um, for the most part. Uh, we have, Like you said, we have 20 games and we have a ton of opportunities 
to see the conference, uh, you know, get back into that top 15 of 32 conference teams in the rankings. Cause we're all the way back up to like number 19 now. And the other day we were 20, at 15. Well, I told 20, right? Also, we're back up. We're, we're you come to the back up then. <laughs> Yeah, we might have heck twenty. Heck, we just, I don't. I'm not surprised if we're if we're at twentieth now. But we had a couple opportunities that we we missed on last week. But we we've got more this week, and I, and I feel solid about it. And that's something that I wasn't that in my mind. I mean, heck, I wasn't talking on about a podcast last week. But I didn't feel that like that was the case last year. I feel like we, this is just a really really uh, uh, it's a it's a schedule for the conference and non conference that, that can be attacked and can be taken advantage of. Because the right teams are scheduling or are playing the right games, and um, I, I feel great about it. I think we're probably going to get another two good wins this week against power teams or good teams, rather. Um, and, and I love it. I mean, it, it's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of good games to watch. Tomorrow, mid morning, early afternoon, depending on how I feel when I wake up, <laughs> we will have the Conference USA Power Rankings up on MinorRush.com. Real quick, Dave, I don't know if you remember off the top of your head, but who are your top five this week uh, in our poll? Or who would be your top five? Oh, gosh, who did I vote for? Um, I have Middle first. I have UAB second because I'm biased. I have. <laughs> Homer! <laughs> yeah, I, I have. Um, Correct me here if I like totally miss somebody, but I think I've got Old Dominion third, and I've got La Tech fourth, and I've got Rice fifth. Yeah, that's, that's I would put Rice higher. I, I'm I've been Rice biased. I remember I remember last podcast I said in my preseason I voted them four, but that's fair. You can at this point. I mean these conference USA powering is always subjective early. But I, I can't disagree with that. That's something I would go and have rights a little higher. I'm really, really high on Marcus Evans. That's an NBA-type sound to me. So tell the people where they can get uh, your info, get all the UAB previews and stuff for the UAB games this week, especially starting off with Evan and Boston. I know you guys ran a Q&A earlier. Tell the folks that on the UTEP side, how to, or, there, or Conference USA slash UTEP side, how to check you out on your website. I didn't hear that one part. <laughs> you broke up a second. What did you say? <laughs> oh, well, uh, t- t- tell the folks how they can look at all your previews this week for the UAB uh, Stephen F. Austin game and how they can catch you and, uh, on Twitter and whatnot. Yeah, you can catch me at my personal account at, at God Save the Ham. And you can catch me at the Daily Dragons Twitter account at the underscore Daily Dragon. And this week I've got two Q&As with Stephen F. Austin's fan-driven account. They do a fantastic job with their fan-driven accounts. Uh, one is the Sawmill, and the other is LumberjackFans.com. So I'll be sharing those. And don't have a whole lot in the works for Memphis as far as uh, Q&As and uh, you know, talking with them because they've got a really old fan base, and apparently none of yeah. them have Twitter. So, yeah, <laughs> so that, that is that was, that's is, always but, been tough for Memphis. <laughs> But, yeah, hit me up on Twitter on either account. I, I love talking COSA hoops. And, um, as always, you can hit up Alex. I mean, he, he's um, he's the man, too. I try to be. I try to be. This has been another episode of the COSA Hoopscast. Check us out on iTunes. Obviously, we're going to post it both on our platform. That's probably where you're hearing it from. But rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Check us out. Dave, it's been a pleasure, man. Great show here today. We'll see everybody back here on Monday. We out.